welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. I worked for Compassion for 40 years. I've been following the Lord. I started when I was five. Actually, that's not true. I've been following the Lord for 40 years and... uh, I'm very thankful for what he's done. And um, I pastored and pioneered a church in Adelaide for 25 years, and then I um, repositioned and joined Compassion. And Compassion is a ministry that's about the kingdom of God. Our business is the kingdom. And so I'm very pleased to be a part of this ministry, which I've served in the last six years. Uh, Our mission is to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. Um, There are 385 million children living in abject poverty in the world, which is a phenomenal amount. The good news is that 40 years ago there was 800 million, so it's halved in 40 years, which is wonderful. But we still want to see that 385 million children be released from poverty in Jesus' name. Um, Our vision is um, our strategy to uh, achieve that goal of releasing children from poverty is that we are a Christ-centered ministry. Jesus is at the center of everything we do. And... um, I'm very thankful for that because there are a lot of organizations that have set off with Christ and then along the way have changed their value system. Um, With compassion, Christ is right at the center. Uh, We're child-focused. We believe in the potential of children. We believe um, that children living in poverty can be released from that poverty. Because what poverty says to children is that you're worthless, that you've got no value, and you're not going to live very long. But we know the Word of God says something very different, and that is that people, children, are valuable. And we only work through the local church. Churches like this one here, we work in um, with over 8,000 churches throughout the world, and uh, we're very pleased to... Uh, see the church be lifted up in local communities where children are living in poverty and um, be um, seen to be helping those children be released. Uh, God's heart is for the poor in Leviticus, which I'm sure is one of your favorite books. But Leviticus 19 Um, 9 and 10, God speaks to Israel and says, When you harvest the land, leave a corner of that land and don't harvest it and leave that for the poor so that they can feed off of that part. You see, God was speaking to Israel to say to them, Part of your work has got to be to the poor. Part of your income, which is that field that you're harvesting, leave that corner, don't harvest that. That's to be given to the poor. And if you're familiar with the book of Ruth, when Ruth and Naomi came back to Bethlehem as widows and in poverty, Ruth was sent by Naomi to uh, 
the field of Boaz and she went to that corner and um, she gleaned from there and was able to feed her mother-in-law and herself. In fact, she gleaned so well, she ended up marrying Boaz, who was the owner of the field and became the great-grandmother of King David. So, um, ladies, if you want to find a man, learn how to glean. That is not politically correct, but anyway. Um, God's heart is for children. We know that where the disciples were shooing away the children, Jesus said, let the children come to me because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. He goes on to say that we should become like children, not childish, but childlike, so that um, we can enter the kingdom of heaven. So God's heart's for the poor, it's for children, and it's also for the foreigner. Again, in Leviticus, God speaks to Israel and says, when you come among strangers or foreigners, engage with them, embrace them, love them, treat them as one of your own. And Israel got a bit narky at that and said, why should we do that? And God says, because at one time you too were foreigners. You see, God doesn't look at the color of a person's skin or the border of their country because he just sees people. So God's heart's for the foreigner. So God's heart's for the poor, the children, and the foreigner. Uh, Compassion began in 1952, which is 70 years ago now, by this man here, um, Everett Swanson. He was a Baptist minister who was in Korea ministering to the military during the 1950 to 1953 um, Korean conflict. Five million people died in that conflict. And uh, as it was his custom, Everett Swanson was, he'd, he'd go to the capital, Seoul, and walk the streets and pray and just soak up the atmosphere. And one particular morning he saw a cart coming towards him that he thought was collecting rubbish. It turned out to be children that had passed away that night, orphan children. And so he was moved with compassion to do something. So he gathered together 35 orphans and the work of compassion began. That was 70 years ago. I'm pleased to say that now we work in 27 countries um, in, uh, in the world and we sponsor 2.2 million children. Uh, we're just about to start work in Malawi and um, Myanmar, and that will begin in 2023. So when you sponsor a child, what it provides is we make sure the children get education. We pay for their school materials, their school uniforms, their school fees if necessary. And we make sure they go to school. We look after their health care, dental checks, nutritious meals. Um, we make sure they're all well fed. And vocational training, which is really important to us, because we don't want to just give a hand out, we want to give a hand up. And uh, we want to encourage the children to dream of becoming a teacher, a doctor, a chef, a mechanic. Um, because poverty steals dreams 
and uh, we want to create dreams back in the children and so vocational training is really important to us. We want them to become a resource back to their own family and for themselves so that they are released from poverty in Jesus' name. And it's all done through the local church. We work with over 8,000 churches. We say to the pastors, go into your community and find the poorest of the poor and bring them in. And um, we want to highlight and um, resource the local church in the community. And so when the kids come in, we make it very clear to the families that they will be receiving Christian teaching. And um, we are pleased to say that each year, over 135,000 children give their lives to Christ, which I think is wonderful. And so um, if... um, Um, You sponsor a child, I want to say thank you so much because you're making a massive difference in the lives of these children. Um, That 385 million is a bit overwhelming, but I say to people, you can't do everything, but everybody can do something. So if you could sponsor one child, it would make a massive difference. I've got little Isaac here. He's from Mexico. He's been waiting 230 days. He lives with his grandparents. He doesn't have any parents. And there are two other siblings in the household. Um, It costs $48 a month. That's $11 a week. And it can change your life. Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. I asked myself, how can I do that? Well, through sponsorship, I can. It makes a massive difference. I know that they hear the gospel and that they're loved and encouraged. It's the most fruitful ministry I've ever been a part of. So I want to encourage you. Um, If uh, you have the means to do it, then please help sponsor these children. On your chairs, there's a picture of a child. I'd love you to take a hold of it because the prayers of the righteous avails much, the Bible tells us. And as you hold that picture, let's pray for them and pray for the kingdom to come and God's will to be done in the children's lives. Father, we pray for these children as we hold on to them and we look into their faces and we see you. We pray for them and we ask that they be released from poverty in Jesus' name. Father, let there be a change that takes place for these young ones and that they can hear the word of God and know that they're valuable and that they do have a future. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Um, On your website, there's going to be the picture of this little girl and um, this QR code. I didn't know what a QR code was a year ago, but now we've got them everywhere. Um, and you can um, find children on there that need sponsoring. But to, we've got um, some children out there on these cards with um, information about them that would love to be sponsored by you. So thank you so much. And my beautiful wife, Carol, as you see us out there, she loves this part. Just stand up, love. And she'd love to talk to you about 
sponsoring a child. Um, part of our work as Christians is you've got to be involved with the poor. It's not just about preaching and, and singing and they're all great things, but it's really important for us to be involved with the poor. Uh, right throughout the scriptures, um, the Father, Jesus, speaks of those that are poor that we're called to help them. It's part of the work of the kingdom. Amen? Okay, I want to bring a word to you. I've got to finish by four o'clock, Pastor Caleb said, so that was a joke. Don't leave. I'm only going to be a few minutes. Um, so sponsor a child, thank you, and we'll go on to the next. Um, yeah, great. This is a fabulous setup you've got here. I'm very impressed. Very good. Jesus, more powerful than poverty. Amen to that. Now, three big questions. Um, as you get older, I've discovered, and certainly as a young man, I had three big questions that I had on my life. And I think every single person here uh, that's over 15, shall we say, or maybe even younger, ask these three big questions. And, uh, and uh, it's, I just want to address them today. Is that all right? The first question is, who am I? Uh, as you go on the journey of life, um, the, that's identity is incredibly important. Um, the Bible is really um, quite interested in identity. In fact, the New Testament in Matthew starts off with a genealogy of the, li of the life of Jesus. And um, who am I is at the top of the list. Why am I here and where am I going? They're the three big questions. Evolution answers the questions this way. Who am I? You're an accident. Why am I here? No reason. Where am I going? Nowhere. That's pretty sad really, isn't it? But that's what evolution... You take God out of the equation and that's the answer. Who am I? You're an accident. It was a collision, a black hole, or whatever you want to come up with, and you get all this. So you're an accident, you've got no reason for life, and you're not going anywhere. But if there is a God, then the next question is, who is he? Um, Google tells us that there are over 4,000 religions in the world. So that's a lot of gods. Um, the question is, who is he? Because when I discover who he is, then it helps me in the journey of discovering who I am. And um, if there is no God, let's eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. But if there is a God, who is he? 
Um, out of those 4,300 plus religions, there's Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, Sikhism, Baha'i, Rastafarian, Shinto, and the list goes on and on and on. For me, I discovered some 40 years ago that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that changed my life. And here I am 40 years later, stood in front of you good people talking about Jesus. That's a miracle. Um, the Bible is big on identity. Who are you? Who am I? Um, Matthew 1, 1 to 17 talks about 42 generations. Luke 3, 23, 38, there's a genealogy again that goes right through to who Jesus is. Jesus' first encounter with the devil in Luke 4, 3, it says, and the devil came to him. He was driven into the wilderness, and it says the devil came to him and then asked him a question, and the question was, if you are the Son of God, questioning his identity. And Jesus answered, Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So Jesus was saying to Satan, My identity is not through performing for you to turn stone into bread, but my identity is discovered through the word of God. So who am I? Who are you? The scripture reveals who you are. Genesis 1.27 So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, created the male and female. You are the image of God. You belong to God and you are the image of God. Look at the person next to you. Go and have a look at them. That's where God hangs out. You are loved and you belong to God. You are in the image of God. And God is spirit. In John 4, when Jesus went to the Samaria and was at the well and the woman at the well came to him, she said, I perceive that you are a prophet. Do we worship God here or in Jerusalem? And Jesus said, neither. God is spirit. And those that worship him must worship him in truth and in spirit. You are in the image of God and you are a spirit. There's three parts to a human being. You're a trichotomy. You are spirit. The life of you is inside of you. That's who you are. You have a soul and you live in a body. You've got to have a body to be on the planet. Even Jesus had to get one. But I live in this body. As you can see, this magnificent specimen before you. I live inside this body. When the body conks out then the spirit and the soul leave. But I am spirit. I will not die and neither will you. The body will, but you won't. 
When you die, your spirit and your soul will leave your body and go to be with the Lord because to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's good news. Your spirit is self-giving. Your soul is self-expression. As I express myself, as you see how I speak and how I express myself, that is my soul speaking. And my flesh, my body, is self-serving. The challenge of life for a believer is to walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. Because the flesh is self-serving and we are called to be self-giving. So it's learning to walk in the Spirit. Our message to the world, because you are here in this city of Wyala for a reason. You are not just here by coincidence. You are here for a reason. And the reason is to let people know the love of God and that they have a future that we can help answer those questions of who am I? You are valuable. You belong to God. Our message to Wyala is not to tell them off for sinning because everybody sins. Our message is to let them know that they belong. Come on. They belong to God. They're valuable. We are not the moral majority, not the the morality police force. We are here to let them know that God loves them and that they belong to God. Through what Jesus has done, he's reconciled them back to God. So who am I? You are a spirit, self-giving. You have a soul, self-expression. You live in a body, self-serving. Our message to the world is that people are valuable and that they're disconnected from God and they can be reconnected to God through Jesus Christ. Listen, Christianity is not about behaving and being a good person. We need to do that, but that's not what it's about. Christianity is about Christ dying for your sin and my sin. You can never be good enough to get into heaven. That's how the world portray getting to be, be a good person and you'll be in heaven. No. No. It's got nothing to do with that. It's got everything to do with Christ dying on a cross and paying the price for your sin and my sin. Isn't that good? Come on. You can never be good enough. He's done the work. Praise his name. So, who am I? I'm, I'm valuable and I belong to God. Now, all the stuff in life that you go through, ups and downs of life, and sometimes how we feel about ourselves, you, you get all those feelings, negative feelings that can happen at times. You've got to speak over that and let yourself speak to yourself and tell yourself, I belong to God. I'm valuable. I'm created in the image of God. 
I mean, God's got a great sense of humor that he uses somebody like me. And he uses people like you. How crazy is that? But that's what God does. So who am I? I am a creation of God. I'm created in his image. I'm valuable. I'm unique. I'm loved. Don't try and be somebody else. Be who you are. And don't try and make somebody else like you. Just be you. John 3:16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Jesus hasn't come to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. So you are a child of God. Are you happy about that? John 1.12, for all those that received him, he gave them the right to be called the children of God. I reckon that's brilliant. So if you're visiting today and you're on a journey of discovery of wanting to know who I am, not who I am, but who you are, who am I? The Word of God is telling you very clearly that you are valuable and that you belong to God. So, why am I here? Why are you here? Yeah. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all the th these things shall be added to you. You're called to seek the kingdom of God. Live your life for God, putting God first. Love God with everything you are. Jesus gave two commandments. Love God and love people. Loving God is quite easy. The difficult one is loving you lot. Come on, don't make me feel alone here. People are just weird. Can anybody say amen to that? Yeah, I heard you there, yeah. So we're all on the same page there. So relationships, what people do, and just strange, weird things. And you're in this, and I do strange, weird things as well. Just ask my wife. Well, you better not ask her. She'll probably tell you. Um, the kingdom of God is within. The spirit of God is within us. And so for us to do the things of God is to be about the business of God. That's why Jesus in Matthew 6.33 said, Seek first the kingdom of God and all the other stuff of life will be added to you. You're called, I'm called to seek the kingdom of God. And part of that is to advance the kingdom of God. And the advancement of the kingdom of God is for us to show the love of God to the community out there. And also, the other part of it is twofold, is for the kingdom of God to grow inside of us, to learn about the things of God. Because God does things differently than humankind. Um, 
I want the kingdom to grow inside of me and I want the kingdom to grow outside in the community. Uh, Jesus is coming back. He is. We're all going to get a new hairdo when he comes back. Yeah, it's just going to go boing. Um, he is coming back. And um, the Bible is very clear that um, when he comes, there's going to be a massive upheaval in the world. We've experienced with COVID-19, which was not just a city, a state, a country, but it was the world that was affected. When Christ returns, there's going to be a massive change in the world. And it's going to be incredible. Um, inside of you and I, there's faith, hope, and love. And um, as we go about living for him, know that you have the God kind of faith inside of you. You've got the God kind of hope inside of you. You've got the God kind of love inside of you. That's why we need to call upon him each day to help us live this life for him. So who am I? I'm valuable and I'm created in the image of God. Why am I here? To advance the kingdom of God. Because life goes so quickly. You wouldn't believe that I'm 49. All right, would you believe that I'm 59? Oh, come on. All right, I might be in my 60s. But life goes so quick. When you get older, things start to fall out and your body changes. You're quite young in here. But um, I, in fact, it's interesting. I had a group of young people say to me, how old are you going to be when you're in heaven? I thought, that's an interesting question. Need some scripture on that. And I found some. Do you want to know how old you're going to be when you're in heaven? Oh, okay. Well, I'll tell you. 1 Corinthians 15 says this. As he is, so we shall be. How old was Jesus when he died? 33. That'll do me beautifully. I said that to this bunch of young people and they went, oh, that's so old. <laughs> I said, believe me, that is not old. Who's happy with 33? I can see those hands. Yeah. And I tell you, 1 Corinthians 15, read it, it's brilliant. It's just full of good news. I'm going to get a new body. You're going to get a resurrected body, a body where it's not going to die. There's no more crying. There's no more pain. There's no more sorrow. You're going to have an immortal body, a body that can eat. It can walk through walls. It can astral travel. Come on. That's good news. I'm looking forward to my new body. I'm going to be six foot two and I'm going to have long flowing hair. You'll recognize me. You say, oh, there's the guy that was with compassion. I love his, I love his hair. 
So you have a purpose. You have an identity. And where am I going? That's the last question. And this is a promise that he has promised us. Eternal life. Um, my mother was... Uh, I, I saw her yesterday and she's been diagnosed with... Uh, and it, well, she's 92, and she's. I'm being told by the doctor because she's she's not conscious at the moment that she's probably going to pass away very soon. But the good news is, she loved Jesus, and um, she's going to go and be with my father um, because. Um, when we have funerals, it's not goodbye for the believer. It's see you later. Come on. Because if he did not rise from the dead, then all this is in vain. But he did rise from the dead. You and I are going to live again in eternity. We're going to live in a place called heaven. And then there's going to be a new earth. And a new heaven, and there's all sorts of stuff that's going to take place. Jesus is coming back. I've got a theory on when he's coming back as well. Do you want to hear that one? Now, this is not sealed doctrine. This is just theories. You're allowed to ask questions of God, like stuff like that. Because you all think, oh, well, nobody knows the day nor the hour. Yeah, but you're allowed to guess. So, okay. <laughs> There's three major feasts in Israel. There's Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles. Passover, Christ came and died for our sins. That's Easter. Every Passover is either in March or April because in Israel, their calendar goes by the moon. Our calendar goes by the sun. And so there's a slight difference in the days. That's why. Easter sometimes will be in March, sometimes in April. Then there's um, Pentecost, and that's when the Spirit of God came. And that's um, 40 days after uh, the resurrection. You've got Pentecost, and that's when the Spirit of God came. I reckon Jesus is going to come back at Tabernacles. And Tabernacles is September, October, end of September, early October. And um, Tabernacles is when Israel, they live outside their house and they're remembering the days of when they were in the wilderness and they build little booths or little tents and they live outside. And uh, they call that time God with us. So my theory is that tabernacles, so get ready September, October, we could be getting out of here. Come on. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Thank God for Jesus.
because he's come to deliver us and set us free. Life is a journey, and it's weird sometimes. But the good news is wherever you go and whatever you do, if you've called upon the Lord, he'll be with you. You're valuable, you have a purpose, and we're all going to be going to heaven. Come on. And it's a place where there's not going to be any tension and issues. It's going to be where we're going to be thrilled to be with each other. We're not going to have massive relationship issues. Come on. It's going to be the peace. You're not going to float on a cloud playing a harp. You're going to be doing stuff and you're going to be living life like you've never lived before. It's a great place. The streets are paved with gold, not bitumen, gold. There's 12 gates in the New Jerusalem. And it says each gate is made from one pearl. Imagine the size of the oyster. Come on. Talk about oyster Kilpatrick. So there's great hope. And our job is to take this hope to the world. Even in our brokenness and our humanity, you can make a big difference in the life of an individual that you come in contact with or a life that you sponsor. When you sponsor a child, it's not just about the money. It's about praying for them. It's writing letters to them. They love to write back and tell you what's going on in their life. They love pictures of families, of individuals. I'm going to show you a video now of um, a young man called Richmond Wandera. He was sponsored by a 15-year-old girl. And uh, it changed his life, but also Richmond has been changing the lives of many people through what the sponsorship did for him. So God bless you. Thank you so much for having us. And um, please come and see us afterwards. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at bethelcrc.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.